Welcome to another episode of Why Not Art with my guest today, abstract artist Brenda Mangalore. We unpack some of the mystery around abstract art. So if you tend to get stumped by it, then this is the episode for you. Brenda believes that art can be an anchor of self-expression in both our spaces and in our lives, whether through her paintings as anchors of beauty and connection or working with her as a mentor to design a path towards your dreams. She wants you to feel equipped, empowered, and transformed. You can find Brenda and her artwork at Brenda Mangalore on social media and www.brendamangalore.com. Welcome, Brenda. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me on. It's always fun to come and chat. Yes, chatting all things art, which I know is your jam. So yes. I'm just going to go straight in with mm-hmm. um, some specifics. For those of you listening, I really urge you, there are links in the show notes. As you're listening right now, just hop onto Brenda's Instagram or her website just so you can get a visual for the work that she does because your work is really, it's like an explosion <laughs> of light and color and spirals and um yeah, just life. Was that always your kind of jam? Like how did you come into that such distinct style? Interesting question. Um, So because of my background in design and I do know art, like as in I've studied it kind of, I did an illustration diploma. So kind of, you know, around the edges, but I've always wanted to be a painter, but, you know, I did the practical thing. I became a graphic designer because, you know, there was a job at the end of it and it just wasn't something I thought of. Um, But I remember always the only job that I saw and by job, I mean, when I saw paintings out like in hotel foyers and things that were usually that kind of decorative abstract style, they were the only ones where I felt like I was jealous of their life. Like I was never jealous of being a rock star or being a doctor. Or, and I always took note of that because I go, oh, you know, someday, somehow I'll be this person who made these paintings that felt emotive and intuitive and said so much more than you could articulate in words. That was always my thing. Um, yeah, interesting. And so I always knew if I ever painted, which I never did, I don't know why, I just it just never occurred to me <laughs> that, you know, if you would like to be a painter, you should just go and paint. <laughs> um, and But I always knew I wanted to do abstract, even though I do know how to draw. I, I've trained, you know, like I do life drawing. I, I did illustrations, you know, like realistic and, and carriage could show stuff. But abstracts was my thing. And in terms of finding my style, um, this is what I always say to, you know, the muses that I kind of mentor. It's it's quantity that leads to quality. Um, you, you can't really find your voice until you're using it. But for right. me, I, you know, have been playing just a little bit when I first started. I was just throwing paint on canvas and I live a life of colour. Like I grew up where we weren't afraid to wear colour. And so mm-hmm. clothes has always been... Um, something that I think we underestimate how we use it as a form of expression and can be a very easy way to walk the path into adding more colour in your life. 
And so you add that love of color, right? Like I grew up where red is a very much loved color. So I, we wear it like as a neutral, like it goes with everything, <laughs> you know, so we were that kind of person. <laughs> so I'm not afraid of color. So I knew my paintings was always going to have color in it as much as I try now to be like, let's be monochromatic. It just never works out. Um, can't fight it, right? Can't, yeah, just like I just there's something wrong with the painting. <laughs> but I remember reaching a point. I did a few little workshops with artists that I admired for their work, and they were also very colorful artwork. But because I felt like I didn't have a style, and sometimes in my dark days, even now, I feel like oh, I don't feel like I have a really distinct style. You know, there's no like formula where you can say this is a Brenda Mangalore anyway I would argue against that yes lots of people would and so I remember that those voices are lies uh, but there's this one workshop I remember I, I said to myself I'm going to find something to anchor my paintings in and as a designer I know that there are when you look at visual design there's something that anchors people to the work so usually it's typography or it's an image or something and so I wanted something to anchor my work and I wanted to find it in this workshop like I set that intention and I had reached that point in any workshop where you've tried to copy because that's what you do you're following the teacher the artist and then um and then you just keep pushing. The whole point for me anyway in a workshop is to keep pushing until you make really ugly art. But the idea is you've just tried all kinds of techniques that you're just learning on that day. Mm. And I just remember I reached a point where the painting was just like horrifyingly disgusting. And it was just like not my kind of colours, but I was just like trying all kinds of stuff. And then suddenly my arm was just like, you know, moving around. It was a great workshop about just like letting go and stuff. And this weird spiral appeared on my um, painting. And I remember just thinking, yes, this is the thing. This will be the thing that I will visually anchor my work too it will mark the spot I wanted to um because you'll see in my my painting process it's a lot of chaos a lot of craziness mm. a lot of intentional creation and curation of chaos um but I never enjoy just chaotic paintings because again my designer background there has to be reasoning <laughs> and editing and curation and for me that's where the depth comes from mm. and I needed something to kind of anchor people to like look at little windows of chaos and then I can remove the rest and edit it so that there's a proper story to tell you know just like any movie there's always a running thread that allows you to be able to follow the story and for it to unfold and so I remember seeing that spiral and just be like this is it there's something about this one I'm just going to choose it so I always say for me personally I didn't do you know a thousand paintings and then I found this kind of that style that slowly evolved yes I kind of did that but I was also the kind of person that decided I was going to pick a style mm -hmm. for at least a time. I'm happy to, you know, let it go and try something else. But it, I wanted to be intentional about it because I knew that my art was never meant to be just for me. It was meant to go out. It was meant to be a business. It was meant to be sold. It was meant to, you know, for other people. And I know that other people need to have something to hold on to. And for me, it's always been those spirals. And then now, you know, there's all kinds of analogies and metaphors. People see um, the cosmos. So you were saying about how explosions, right? People see the cosmos. <laughs> um, although I find people in, you know, Sydney where you are, um, because they live a much more water lifestyle, they see a lot of underground, uh, underwater, under the sea kind of imagery. Um, so that's always been really interesting for other people. It's like music um, or it's, you know, spiritual iconography. It's just been fun. 
but yeah, so it's a it's a combination of both intentional decision as well as just it just evolved and grew with me. Like my spirals at the very beginning, you know, five years ago is very different to the spirals that I do now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm so glad you called them spirals. Some people are just like, oh, you know, those flower things. Or, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, they're very distinct, and I I love the word that you used, anchor. Like they do kind of feel like an anchor into your work and what you just said then about and you know um different people interpreting them in different ways I would I would love to ask you you know how do you see I would say art in general but I want to actually just focus on on you know the art that that you make how do you see abstract art you know providing connection that's really what we all kind of seek in art I guess when you know, the story of the piece mm-hmm. might not be as obvious yes. as in other um, artistic mediums. Like how, how do you see see that sort of playing out? Yes. So, oh, so many things. I have so many things to say. Um, with abstract art, I find this is how I like to, if I was to teach someone or when I meet people, you know, when I've done art fairs and there's people who are just, they don't even know why. They're not natural um, lovers of abstract art, but they were obviously drawn to it and they're standing in front of the work. And they basically almost asked me permission um, as the artist to to explain to them what the story is because they want to check that their story is the same and Mm. in case they got it wrong, you know. Um, But I always say, no, of course I've got my own uh, connection with it my own kind of story with it and the making of it but I know my paintings serve as mirrors for people and so that means it's going to reflect you know your values and your dreams and your memories and your personality and all those kind of things and I'm totally okay with it I actually love that yeah. because sometimes I don't know what's in that story I just know I need to look a certain way and had to feel a certain way but mm. I feel, especially for my work and for a lot of abstract work too, in general, not that I'm speaking for all mm-hmm. abstract artists, but um, <laughs> it the, the story doesn't end with the finished painting. It ends with the reflection from the viewer. And so, you know, if you want to go down to being an art nerd um, <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff, a lot of that is part of the, the whole experience of viewing the work is part of the art and so for me I love that because it means especially for my collectors who get to live with it it evolves and it grows with them you know so Mm. every day depending on their mood or what's happening in their life or the season of life that they're in they're gonna feel something else see something else you know the light hits it a certain way and so then that becomes part of the art experience and the art reflecting back to them and so um I think that's how abstract work can be I do know I have a friend who um is so not a fan of abstract work because she doesn't know what it is and she hates Mm. that she doesn't know what it is and she just can't handle it so she you know she she, she's lovely and she supports me but she just like I can't she just can't have it in her house because she doesn't know what it is and um, she's always worried like it's it's actually meant to be there's some secret thing that she doesn't like about Mm. it and so she doesn't want to um isn't that interesting it's our like desire to know everything we have to know we have to have guarantees we have to 
um, understand it all, but which I totally get because I'm that person too. <laughs> um, but that's yeah, why you I, produce this work that is so sort of it's a exactly you know a, you dive into the unknown in your work. Well, and and I also know somehow, even though we can't articulate it um, in words, when someone who just really connects with my artwork, I know that we would get along even if we have very different tastes or different you know ways of life and and just different in general but having met a few people who you know bought my work I just kind of we just kind of get along because we had that one I guess connection that anchor in the painting um Mm. and I also have moments that the paintings that I feel are the most successful for me isn't because they're the prettiest or because they sold or whatever it is, is is when I can look at it, especially when I look back at them and have a split second of not remembering that I made it and be like, wow, and then have that that split second later going, oh, I made that. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's me. (laughs) Yeah, but I didn't know where a lot of that came from because I intentionally, as part of my creative process, um, allow a lot of unknown happen you know I let a lot of gravity Mm. do the work and I intentionally um, allow chaos into it even though I'm still a part of me I I dance that tension of trying to control it because I'm still editing and you know composing and and curating a lot you know with the paint and the colors and um, what I remove and what I add on all of that is still very intentional and I really hope that my paintings don't just look like I just exploded and vomited all (laughs) over the canvas that there is intentionality there is order in the yeah chaos. there is yeah. there is there is kind of mindfulness and so mm. yes I hope it has the spirit and playfulness of like a child just like going crazy and having no idea but mm. hopefully when you look at my work you go no someone had taken the time to be intentional and to to craft a something and then that hopefully then leads them into the painting and they see a story that only they could see, which I mm. find endlessly fascinating because absolutely I, you get to see a different perspective that you never would have. And for some of them, they never would have thought of it without my work. And so it becomes this beautiful cycle and conversation. Um, mm. which is that's what, such a beautiful way to put it. Um yeah, that's what I was for. Exactly, right? Is that not the power of it? You know, what you just said that without seeing your painting, they might not have 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 found that thing or had that reflection or that perspective and I love that term that you you know you said you let gravity do a lot of the work um that's a beautiful image and I do see when I look at your work I to me they're almost like portals um Mm. I I love the the chaos but I certainly I find there is a a grounding element in your work as well and it's sort of like it looking at your work doesn't feel chaotic Mm -hmm. it feels exciting and unknown and there's wow there's so much stuff going on but to me when I look at them there is definitely like that anchor feeling that grounding Mm -hmm. feeling and then to me it does it feels like it's a portal and you kind of go into it and then start exploring it and I guess yeah let's talk about that you know the power of of art you mentioned your friend that sort of doesn't understand abstract and that's you know that's a put off do you think that you know is is that why sometimes we are you know critical or hesitant of art because it has the potential to to reflect something that we weren't expecting no I think it's got something to do with not getting it correct so having spoken to people who 
don't quite get it, um, but they are intrigued. So they're they're still my people. I still consider them my people because they still like it, but they don't know why they like it. Um, and so when they talk to me and they find out I'm the artist, uh, they they I, I can feel this energy of they are seeking permission to get it right, even though they have their own story. They're like, oh, I see this. Is that correct? And I spend a lot of that time and that conversation just reassuring them that what you see is fine because that's yeah. the whole point. It's supposed to be your story. But I, th- I have a feeling because the ones who like really don't like it and don't connect with it at all, um, it might be because they don't understand something. And for most of us mm. as humans, if you don't understand something, it is scary or it's unknown. And why would you want to waste time on that? Uh, you know, some people yeah. really don't like a lot of colour. Totally cool. I totally get mm. that. Um, and so, you know, it can be very confronting and overwhelming. And yes, when it's that chaotic and, and plus the fact that you don't know what it is, there, there is no um, obvious anchor. As much as like we, like you and I, we see spirals mm-hmm. and the colours and, uh, and, and allowing ourselves to kind of float into the unknown, I think it takes a certain someone that enjoys that process of being just like you know we're the ones that love adventure where we're like no idea what's going to happen next but I know it's going to be fun you know there's an element of trust and so if you don't quite have that I imagine it can be a disconnect you know like I don't enjoy all art there'll be some where I'm just like I don't get it I I don't resonate with with the colors you know Mm. and when you're just not in the right vibration I guess when there is no resonance then yeah yeah. trying to force it then becomes a mental and intellectual exercise which I guess certain artwork can be um but when it comes to something that's more emotive like paintings and certain most artwork is in a way very emotive right whether it has a political message or it's you know observing of an actual uh, still life or scenery it's still tapping into something that is abstract the intangible and so I find that if you can be someone who is open to the intangible or connects with it or really loves it in some way, right, like spirituality, um, relationships, the idea of love, all those kind of things are all intangibles that we kind of see evidence of it in the real world, in the tangible, as I like to say. So then yeah. the artwork that you enjoy probably becomes a bridge for that, to bring that intangible to the tangible world. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of becomes a an entryway into exploration, really. Yes. That's what it is, exploration and interpretation. And and on that point of, you know, seeking permission in terms of did I get it right? Mm. Or the people who, you know, just point blank don't resonate or don't like it. There's also an element of that in that of art, perhaps just, you know helping you realize that it's it's okay to have preferences yes yes and I think because there's been a history um especially for those who aren't in the art world where there's this feeling or stereotype or whatever it is where art is only for those who are in the know um Mm. and it's meant to be complicated you know they go to museums and they look at things and they're like have no idea what it means um and and because you don't know what it means it means you don't appreciate it which means you you just like somehow are not smart enough or not in the know to do that part of the club um (laughs) yeah and so I I get that but on the other hand I'm one of those people who like loves reading all the plaques in the museum of all the weird 
you know, like abstract explanations of why they made this random fridge that's like hung upside down, you know, with a spray <laughs> yeah. paint on it, right? Like it's just, you know, that yeah. kind of contemporary art where most people are like, that does not make sense. I would never hang that in my house. But like I love, you know, the explanation and the story behind it and, and just like being a real there's no other word for it really. It's like being a real art wanker and just like, I really like sometimes I just have those moods where you're just like, I really love it. You know, even though it's got, it doesn't serve the everyday decorative um, sure. ness that for most people, you know, like a painting would, would serve. Yeah. Right? So I love that part of it. But on the other hand, because, and I'm thankful for my designer background um, where you know, part of that work was making sure you could communicate with someone. That's what graphic design is, right? Mm. Like you need to be able to communicate a specific message. Certain paintings are just meant to be obscure. It's meant to just make you wonder and just raise questions with no answers. While design is very much like, no, there is an answer. There's an answer. This is yeah. a message. Right? This You're is meant a message. to get this. Yeah, we need them to convert. We need them to understand. Yes. We need them to be informed. And so I feel that I've got a bit of both. I do want them to feel connected in some way. But I also then want them to be okay with sitting in the question or even allowing themselves to ask that question in the first place. Because for me, I'm a really good question asker, but I don't have the answers. Like I'm not here telling you this yeah. is the story of this work. I mm. want to know that answer from the viewer. Like I'll be like, oh, endlessly fascinating because I find that your answers then reflect so much more about who you are yeah. Then if I just told you this is, you know, my perspective, being able to hear all of that then just gives me broader view of the world and that just fuels my inspiration, my work. And then that kind of gets added to, because I love that cycle thing going again, which is, you know, that idea of the spiral, right? Like it's just you're, you get to kind of feed each other, but you elevate at the same time and expand at the same time. And so that just all you know, that dance just becomes really beautiful for me. Yeah, just getting to see somebody else's viewpoint, somebody else's interpretation, a little window into their life, which yes. then informs your life or reflects back on your beliefs and thoughts and maybe, um, you know, perspectives that you haven't considered. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of opens up this portal again for um yeah, I guess for just expanded thought, really. And yeah, and community and just being okay with different perspectives. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and I find that's why I always say, you know, the people who resonate with my work, I feel like we would just click, even though we might not, you know, be become best friends or something. Um, there's just that this idea of being able to be connected to a stranger and then never seeing them again. But we, we both have this kind of ongoing connection and I go, well, isn't that like life? Like, isn't that what we're all seeking mm. this sense of connection without it having to be, you know, everyone's in our world or friends with everyone. Everyone's friendly. We all have the same perspective. We all have the same opinions. Like that, that doesn't quite work. Like how do we have that complexity? That's why my work has a lot of chaos, right? Like we all have a lot of complexity, even just in our own lifetime, we change, we elevate, we grow, we, um, evolve and and there's layers and depths of things and it's up to us to either choose to allow that chaos to kind of feed it and you get to curate and choose that or you can just like blanket wash over it or ignore it or try and mm. control so much of that right and yeah, I think resist it mm. yeah and 
you know, 2020 and this year, especially we've all really learned globally that life is just, you know, going to always be chaotic. Um, (laughs) There's only so much you can control. And I think for those of us who are used to that, I mean, as much as still feeling burnt out, still having to do remote learning with children at home and all those kind of things. (laughs) But like, there's this element of like, oh, a familiar where we're like, okay, if I can survive this kind of chaos and chaotic and still find beauty in it, like, isn't that for me, I hope like, like my paintings serve as that too, where it's like, there is beauty in the chaos and in the mess. There is so much more depth to just, oh, a weird wash of color or this mark here or this spiral over there. And then hopefully then that reflects back to you that your own depth of complexity and layers that you might not have looked at for a long time and then bringing those kind of things out hopefully then opens you up to more oh I hope kindness and compassion for not only yourself and your family but like for everybody else yeah yeah Yeah. I mean for me sometimes it's just it's a pretty painting but um (laughs) but yeah that depth that sense of connection to self as well as to the community as well as to the divine like that is like my my anchoring intention always yeah and and I dig that and I'm so glad you brought up that phrase beauty in the mess because that's actually how I connected with you Mm. way back when I heard you speak (laughs) and you you were speaking about this this concept this theme um, that is very prevalent in your work and I know you speak about it a lot um, in terms of your mentoring as well and that is you know finding beauty in the mess and you were talking about your creative process and you know, the messy middle. Mm. And that really stuck with me. So could you explain, explain that kind of concept to us a little bit? Yeah, I feel like I'm not the creator of this concept, but I don't know where I got it from. It might be a Liz Gilbert thing mm-hmm. or it's an amalgamation of a lot of people. Could be. But for me, for me, it's... Still um, like an artist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, because my work it really began like what you would have heard. I remember that talk um, Mm -hmm. where you face that blank canvas and it's like overwhelmingly blank. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, and the reason we have that fear is because there's so much potential and options, but also then there's so much potential and options for failure. Um, And that I think is a lot of the resistance and the paralysis that a lot of artists feel. Yeah. happens if it's not good enough what happens if you know you're basically wasting your time all those kind of things and I've learned through my creative process that I've had to look for the beauty in the mess because otherwise I'm just left with a lot of mess because Mm. as most creatives have found in any part of the creative process especially if you're someone who wants to create work that grows and evolves so you're not just um, even though I joke about this, like every so often I just, ha- I hit that moment where I'm like, why can't I just create to a formula, you know? And I just like yeah. press, you know, these three buttons and then the perfect work comes out and it's the yeah. same, you know? Um, and then I go, well, I've, I've tried that. I've tried to like formulate myself, you know, to be more efficient. Uh, but for artists and creatives who want to create work that has life right and Mm. life again we kind of have guidelines you know we have certain societal pressures and rules and formulas but none of that really ever truly applies when we want to look for success in whatever that terms is you know for thriving and growth and so if I can't find that beauty in that mess then you just stop you know, for a lot of people, they stop in the middle because in any part of the creative process, you always begin with like, yeah, I've got this. You know, you need a little bit of confidence to get started in the first place. 
you get there, you, you know, you play in it, you're creating, you're painting, whatever it is, but you are bound to hit this point in the middle where everything kind of turns to shit and you Mm. hit the wall and it's messy because anything that's growth, anything that's about up-leveling and improving, you have to hit a point where you just like don't quite know what's happening next because if you did, it would be a formula, it would be predictable, you wouldn't have any issues with it in the first place. You would just be mindless about getting it done. But anything that involves intentionality and growth and basically extending beyond your current comfort known level um you're gonna have to hit that point where you're just like oh my god I don't know what's happening next I'm swimming around in the dark here and this is weird you know like sticky thing that's like touching my toes right like you have to hit that point (laughs) and so for a lot of people that's usually a sign that you suck and you shouldn't have started in the first place and so for a lot of wannabe creatives it's you have I guess a pathway behind you um of half finished projects that have that mm. look ugly and messy because they're unfinished and all those kind of things because they hit that messy middle and for me part of my creative growth and really just understanding it even though I'm a designer and I've gone through that creative process but I never really recognized that before is that it's part of the process once right. you know that it's part of the process, then there's nothing wrong. Like you hit this point where you feel like everything you do sucks. Um, every single painting I just, I'm doing right now is new collection that I'm working on. I hit that point where I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing next. This is probably <laughs> the worst painting ever. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and then every time I start a new painting, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And like you just, once you recognize that that's just part of the process, then you can keep going and then you get to actually finish the work, Mm. prove all those voices that said, look at this mess. What is this? You have no idea what you're doing. It looks ugly. You know, the, the, those many projects behind us that we kind of left behind that was half finished only serves to prove that you suck. You know, you only make ugly art, but that's only because we stopped. Yeah. And if we could just practice finishing, I would say, and I still, again, fall under, I believe the whole quantity leads to quality kind of thing. Yes, you might finish projects and it might still not be great. Like I look Mm -hmm. at my past work and I'm still like, yeah, not that great. Um, But you can't get better by, I don't know, like stopping and exactly your way there yeah like you just it's like yeah you you just I was just talking to my daughter about she's learning to bike ride and she can ride a bike but you know it's a bit hard to start Mm. right um that Mm. kind of momentum and falling off the bikeness and I was like and she's like I'd want to do it today and I'm like I totally get that respect that but how are you hoping to improve so that next time you can do it um are you hoping that maybe you would just magically wake up one day and it would work or you know we're coming with you you know your both your parents going to be there and we'll be there to catch you if you fall do you want to try it while we're there to like help you and and she you know so I had to like logic her way there but it was just the thing like your body just kind of goes no I'll just wait hopefully you'll just improve somehow that's it (laughs) Yeah, the yeah, solution like will land. Out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, the, the clouds will part and then the solution will present itself and you will know exactly what you need to do when the answers usually is in the mess that you're seeing right in front of you. 
and you just have to dig through it and find that beauty. And I find if you can find whatever that looks like for you. So for me, it's my paintings and curating and composition and stuff like that. But whether it's like writing a book or like creating music or like dance stuff, it's basically being able to see the mess that's in front of you and then see the beauty in it, then that's when you can start pulling apart the stuff that doesn't work and then put together the stuff that does work and then you have a beautiful finished piece, whatever beautiful looks like to you. Yeah, yeah. And just being able to have that skill of observing something that on face value is a mess, Mm -hmm. but having the skill of being able to go, okay, you know, there's one little thing, even if it's one tiny little thing, that I like about this or that mm-hmm. I can see the potential or that can comfort me in this, that then becomes a metaphor for life. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're going through a tough time, all we want to do is get out of the mess and the toughness and the, the pain. Yeah. But if we can find, you know, just like the little nuggets that shimmer mm-hmm. in all of that, mm-hmm. then we, you know, that's, that's begins the way out. Yes. And that actually begins with not the skill set, but the openness to trust that process. Mm, I think if you yeah, can't right. trust that you have the capacity or the capability to keep going despite how ugly the shit is that's in front of you, right? Like if you don't have that trust in your like, you know what, I can handle this. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to find something beautiful in it. Like every time I hit that point in my painting, I have to trust myself that, yeah, it looks crap right now. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what it's going to look like at the end, but I trust myself to be able to just keep going. Yeah. And that trust also comes from the ability to be like, even if it doesn't work out and it just ends up being a terrible piece of work. Um, <laughs> I'm still okay. I can make a new one. Make, yeah. And the yeah, only it doesn't way, mean that no. you're, it's over. Yes, it's, it's a sign. It's a sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to create again. Yeah. Look, every, every time it's always like, yeah, I can't, I can't. I think that I think the, the last painting I could make, that was the only painting. Um, but that trust came from because I pushed through enough times that I have enough evidence behind me to mm. counteract what feels very true in the moment, right? Like in the yeah. moment, it feels very true in my bones that I have no idea what I'm doing. I think I've made my last good painting. You know, I've run out, like I've yeah. run out of good ideas um, and, and skill set somehow. And I just like, I'm a blank slate. I had no idea. And it's just, it's too messy. I'm too overwhelmed. Like that's the truth in that moment. Mm. But because I have enough paintings behind me where I've gone through that process every single time, I can almost logic, again, logic my way out of it, even though I feel it in my bones that I can never make a good painting again. And so this is where I always love how, especially as intuitives and creatives who really use our gut instinct and and those feelings, right? We're always waiting for feelings and we want people to feel because our work is about that, but we Mm -hmm. negate our ability to just like use facts and evidence. and at the same time, there'll be those who only use facts and evidence. I have no evidence that I've ever made good artwork. What proof do you have that I can? And then that's when you need to rely on your feeling and your trust and your intuition and your instinct that I'm going to work my way there. I'm going to improve it. But together, if you can dance between the two, then you're just like unstoppable, right? Like when your intuition isn't quite serving you, you can use your logic and then 
but then you're also creating the work so that you can produce the evidence for your logic brain. And then when your logic brain isn't quite working, then your intuition kind of steps in. Yeah, absolutely. It's like allowing the duality of mm. everything. And I use that word quite a lot and it seems to come up in every one of these conversations I have. But I think that is one of the biggest lessons we have to learn from art. And that is that it's all duality. It's mm-hmm. all, uh, you know, opposites are okay. <laughs> um, it doesn't all have to be creative brain. It doesn't all have to be logic brain. It doesn't all have to be beauty. It doesn't all, ha- you know, it's it, mm. everything exists in duality. And that is where the richness of our human experience lies. Well, and in art, from a technical point of view, contrast is mm. how you make things stand out. It's how so you bring attention to areas. You know, if I feel like it's a bit wishy-washy, then I know I don't have enough contrast. I have to be intentional about, you know, adding, making my darks darker, my lights lighter. Um, if I'm doing a lot of color, you know, I need to then make sure I have an anchoring color, like the one color that kind of like rules them all, you know, for, mm. the, for the painting. Because again, as much as you can have duality, um, if it's too balanced, and I think this is where art, can um fall into that where if it's too balanced it becomes blah and beige Mm. and it's whatever that looks like for whoever it is right i'm not saying Mm. that there are there are perfectly symmetrical artworks you know who serves as this kind of reflection for our love for symmetry anyway Mm. this Mm. is where we get into like art nerd stuff but i find (laughs) that's another episode (laughs) but this is where i find with contrast and duality yes being able to do that is how you make things stand out right it's Mm. the whole you know, if it wasn't for the storm, we wouldn't appreciate, you know, the sunshine as much as the rainbow comes in. But like we wouldn't appreciate the sunshine. The rainbow is there as a reminder that the sun, the sun is still there. Um, you just can't see it yet. You know, the rainbow is actually a reminder. So that's for me, it's my beauty in the mess. It doesn't mean that the mess is gone. Yeah. The mess is still there. It's just a reminder that the sun is still available. We just can't see it right now. Even though you're walking around in the dark in a storm. The mm. sun is just there behind those dark clouds. We're just walking our way there. And then the rainbow just serves as a reminder that the light is still available. Yeah. Sometimes you have the weight. Sometimes you've got to work your way there. Sometimes we like just have to do clean up or paint your way or whatever it is. But yeah. 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 I love that. <laughs> I love yeah. that analogy. Good analogy. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Brenda, I would love to wrap this riff up with, the three questions that I ask all of my guests mm-hmm. on why not art. So which artists and creatives inspire you the most? The ones who are having fun, but also are ambitiously uh, big dreamers and strategic with how they're bringing their work into the world. Um, so I'm going to struggle to come up with artist names, but there are many I follow who just like, you know, beautiful art and stuff like that. But there are some who maybe they've reached this place in their artwork. Maybe they're a little bit bigger and they have the funds or they just reach this sense of confidence in clarity about what they do, but they Mm -hmm. clearly have fun with the work that they have um, and in how they bring that work to life. Mm, mm, beautiful oh I can't wait to see what you do next then (laughs) all right next question your most memorable creative experience um well the first one that comes to mind is that moment I I said about finding the spiral 
Mm. Uh, I have a few. I have certain paintings that um, just one or two that never sold, which is very interesting. But I felt like had when I finished it, I, I almost felt this like, you know, that sound in, I think it must be like Maricard or whatever it is where like they go ding, ding, ding. And you're like oh, up yeah. level up to the next level. <laughs> yeah. And I felt that, um, I felt that with these paintings and I wouldn't even be able to articulate why, like if you look at them and be like, oh, it's another painting. But like, I just felt that for them. And um, there's, there's one in particular that's just never sold and I probably would never sell it because for me, I really felt like that was a huge, like I killed the big boss or whatever and, and, and really up-leveled. Um, so besides the spiral one, it's that, yeah. <laughs> All right, last question for you, Brenda, a piece of art that you're consuming and loving right now. Because we're in lockdown a lot, um, mm. I am doing a lot of TV binges yeah. of shows. <laughs> Nothing um, wrong with that. <laughs> no, and um, I, like, learnt that I really love puzzle shows, so detective shows, you know, something oh, yeah. like, who did it? Um, and so I just really love that. And for me, because now you get to watch the whole series in one go, I get to see Archer's you know, maybe I'm nerding out, but like arches in the storyline that you wouldn't see because you're watching it over months and years. But yeah, TV um, and and movies have been our thing. So like rewatching old classics with um, my kids, you know, old 3D things that was like like Avatar the other day. Um, not that I'm a great fan of the storyline, but like you know, just the old Monsters Inc. Like just the yeah. skill set and the technology that it came to bring that and because I'm really aware of it right like how mm. do you mock up fur so that it kind of moves realistically in the wind and someone yeah. had to create that and um you know and besides the storyline as well and and yeah love that yeah. I love breaking down storyline just more windows to look through that's what I always say exactly more windows more spirals more portals mm. and yeah I just wish you only an abundance more spirals portals and windows for your work it's incredible um i love the work that you do and for everyone listening head to the show notes there are links to uh, where you can follow brenda check out her work and um yeah go and get lost in some spirals (laughs) (laughs) thanks for being here brenda i really appreciate it thank you